You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. is presented as a worshiper of God, not a non-believer. When you read this, you first think, well, he must be an atheist. He must be a non-believer. But let me remind you of something. Cain and Abel had the same parents. So they were taught about God. They were taught about the sacrifices. They were taught about the offerings. They had heard and learned. So that's what we see here. What John is trying to say here is a major warning to all of us. He's saying that the children of the devil can masquerade as true believers. In today's message, Pastor Dave discusses God's love in detail. Since it's not actually as straightforward as you might have thought, Pastor Dave uses Cain and Abel as an example of how God's love works within us and how you can spot a fake Christian by how they demonstrate God's love to others. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 3 as he begins his message, Love obedience, and faith. So let's read the first, these verses here, beginning in verse 11 of chapter 3. I'll read aloud. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was a wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding In him shall we pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, as we come now to your glorious word, your breath breathed upon these pages this morning, Father, let us glean from them the truth. Lord, even though some of these scriptures might seem hard, some of them might even even seem repetitious, Lord, but let our hearts be open to what you want to speak to your children. We've assembled here, Lord, as one, We lift our hearts to you as one. Speak to us, Lord, as one, but speak individually to each of us, Lord. Show us, Lord, great wonders of your word, nuggets that we can glean to and that we can hold on to and that we can take with us. Lord, we're so thankful that we have your word in in the form that it is. We can read it and know that you're speaking to our heart by your spirit. So, Lord, have your way here today, Lord. We love you. And we thank you for this time you've given us. And we're just so blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. So, how many of you, don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever walked up a spiral staircase? Kind of like the one at the lighthouse, you know? Spiral staircase. And you know what I noticed about walking up a spiral staircase? That you could take a line and draw it down somewhere along the spiral staircase and you would always get back to that line, wouldn't you? 
always get back to that line. It's interesting because no matter where you are on that staircase, you're at a point that you've been before and you just keep going around like this as you ascend or descend. Well, the letter that we're reading from the Apostle John has been compared to a spiral staircase because it keeps returning to the same three topics, love, obedience, and truth. John keeps returning to these topics, so they must be extremely important to us. It's a call to love. John reminds us that Jesus called us to love one another. It's a call to obedience. John wrote these words. This is how we know him if we keep his commandments. And it's a call for truth. Again, John wrote these words. If you say you know him and do not keep his commandments, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. John wants to make it clear that even when we return to these themes, they're not repetitious. Just like climbing a spiral staircase, even though you return to the same spot on the plane of that staircase, you're at a higher level going up. So each time John brings a topic back up to us, he addresses it in a different point of view, if you will, taking us deeper, or should I say, taking us to a higher level. Now, you may, from time to time, grow weary of these same themes over and over, but I I caution you. I caution you not to overlook the words that are written here in this book inspired by the Holy Spirit. To live the life that is real, that John has been talking about, we need to be sure that we love the brethren. To live a life that is real, we need to be sure that we're obedient to the Lord's commands. And to live a life that is real, we need to be sure and know that we can walk in the truth. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul repeated his words so often that he urges readers not to think that it was grievous that he did such a thing. He says in chapter 3, verse 1 of Philippians, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. That's a good way to start out, right? We just did that, rejoice in the Lord. Then he says, For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, It is safe. Original King James says grievous. It's not grievous. It's not grievous to you is what Paul's saying. Paul assured the Philippians that he didn't mind reminding them of those things because it was for their safety. Why? Because he was passionately concerned about the dangers that lurked in the future. He was passionately concerned and he was going to speak out strongly against them time and time and time again. And this was John's heart as well. He was so passionate that he wanted his readers to know the truth. We already studied that he wanted us to know that we know. And to have that knowledge so deep in our hearts that it's settled, it's established, and John wants to constantly assure us that we know it. You know, sometimes, I can speak for myself, as we continue through these same themes, Speaking the same words over and over and over, you might hear the words, oh no, not again, but it's for your safety. We need to remind each other of the truths found in God's word. If we don't remind each other about the truth in God's word, especially during times of great affliction, times of great circumstances, times of great difficulty, we can easily drift away. 
We can easily drift away from God's word and become self-reliant, self-sufficient. So you'll hear us remind you of these things. I don't know about you, but I need to hear things over and over and over before it gets through this thick place. And then I have to allow it to drop down here to the heart where it really needs to settle. So I need to hear these things over and over so it's not grievous, it's not tedious that we be reminded. Besides, should we ever grow weary of hearing over and over the need to love one another, we got to remember of who the true author of this book is, the Holy Spirit. And he knows your heart. Therefore, we need to examine ourselves constantly because I don't know about you, but my default mode is always selfishness, not love. That's my default mode. And in our text this morning, John once again holds up this giant mirror. And he holds up this giant mirror and he says, look in there. Look closely into the mirror. The mirror is going to expose any error in your thinking or in your actions, and you're going to have to make a choice as to what to do with those things. So look into the mirror closely. And this is what John is doing where we are right now once again. Last week, he spoke about being a child of God. And he made a point of telling telling us the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. And he said so in verse 10a. He says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. So, and all the things that he said about sin and continuing in sin and being stuck in that continuation sin, that habitual sin. He told us all about the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. And then he jumps right back into a familiar theme when he says at the end of the verse, he who does not practice righteousness is not of God, neither is he who does not love his brother. So we've come full circle of the spiral and we're back to the word love. We're back to the theme love, a familiar theme. So he says in verse 11, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. This is how he started out the book. That which we've heard from the beginning, that's what we've seen, that's what we've touched, that's what we handled, the word of God, the word of truth. And he talked all about that. He comes back to this commandment to love one another. And why does he come back to that? Because it's the heart of the gospel message. It's the heart of the gospel message itself. Remember in the gospels when the lawyer came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. And in these, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled. The man looked at him. John might have had that image in his mind when he did that, when he said this. But I think he had a bigger image in his mind when he wrote these words. I think he sat in amazement after a dinner when Jesus got up and took a basin of water and stooped down and watched, washed his feet and all of the other disciples' feet, including Jesus, who would betray him. I think that stuck in his brain. That was etched in his mind. And after he did that, he said, go and do likewise. And then he added, and you will love one another the way I have loved you. I think that was etched in John's mind. John said, if we don't have love for each other, we're not of God. We haven't 
conform to the new nature. See, when John speaks of love, he points to the supreme example of Jesus Christ in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And if you need a definition of biblical love, it's simple. Self-sacrificing, a caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the loved one. Jesus had our highest good in mind when he went to a cross and died. It was our highest good that he thought about. Jesus sacrificed... Yes, he did. He sacrificed himself because he cared for us so deeply. And he's committed to seek the highest good, namely, that we might share in his glory also. John goes all the way back to the beginning of of your Christian experience. All the way back to the born-again experience. John says that if our spiritual life originated with the one Father, the true God in heaven, we have to love one another. But if your spiritual life originated with the devil, you're going to hate one another. This is what John is trying to say today. You're going to hate one another. Isn't hate a horrible word? It's a hard, strong word. So John has taken us another step up the spiral staircase. And this time, he's going to give us an example of what true love does not look like. He's going to give us a negative example. Read verse 12. Not as Cain, who was the wicked one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So he said, not as Cain. So here he's going to give a negative example. This is what I don't want you to look like, your love. This is what your love shouldn't look like. Not as Cain. I I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, please. Genesis chapter 4. Because in order to understand what what, what, what John is trying to say here, we need to understand the story of Cain. We need to understand his story. So turn to chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. I'm going to read the first 16 verses. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now remember, Cain was Adam's firstborn. Adam's firstborn. Then... She, Eve, bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. 
So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. And then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Wow. The story of Cain. It's a story of Cain. What you see in these verses is an example of a life of hatred, a life opposite that of love, a life of hatred. Murder is the lowest level in any relationship. It's the lowest possible level of any relationship can go. It is the level of Satan himself. Remember speaking in the temple in John chapter 8, In verse 44, Jesus said this to the religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil, and he desires of your father you want to do, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. What's interesting to me here. And from what my studies brought me to, Cain is presented as a worshiper of God, not a non-believer. When you read this, you first think, well, he must be an atheist. He must be a non-believer. But let me remind you of something. Cain and Abel had the same parents. So they were taught about God. They were taught about the sacrifices. They were taught about the offerings. They had heard and learned. So that's what we see here. What John is trying to say here is a major warning to all of us. He's saying that the children of the devil can masquerade as true believers. They regularly attend services. They might even bring offerings. But as we said before, and as you know better than I, coming to church and even making offerings not necessarily proof that you've been born of God. The real test, love the brethren. The real test of a person born of God, born again, is to love the brethren. And Cain failed miserably. Why? Because his spiritual father was the devil. Meaning that his attitude and his actions came directly from Satan. He was a murderer, just like Satan. And then when he was confronted with it, he lied, just like Satan. So what's the great contrast here? Well, in a little while, we're going to read in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. Notice what it says. It doesn't say God is like love. It doesn't say one of characteristics of God is love. One of the attributes of love, it says, no, God is love. It's his essence. It's who he is. God is love. In John the gospel, Jesus declared that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John's also going to say that the spirit is truth in 1 John 5, 6. So those who are the family of God practice love and they practice truth. And remember our study last week, perfect practice makes perfect. And somebody reminded me that imperfect practice makes imperfection. 
You are what you practice. So what was the difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering? It really doesn't say. We don't really know until we get to the book of Hebrews. And when we get to the book of Hebrews, specifically in the Hall of Faith chapter, in chapter 11, it says in verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. It was by faith. How do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So what does that tell us? That tells us that somewhere along the line, God made it clear well, what was accepted and what wasn't accepted. Somewhere along the line, God made it clear. He must have given specific instructions on how he is to be worshipped. Well, he has given specific instructions, even in the New Testament, how he is to worship. Or how we are to worship him, right? Where? John 4, the Samaritan woman. God is spirit, and you shall worship him in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Cain rejected God's word and decided to worship his own way. And as we saw, this is a dangerous place to be, an extremely dangerous place to be. This shows that Cain had a better relationship with Satan than he had with God. He had a better relationship with Satan than he had with God because Satan always tries to turn things around. He always tries to turn things around. He always tries to say, reveal on God's truth. He says, oh, I'm going to mess this up. What was his question to Eve, who happened to be Cain's mother? Has God said Has God really said? Makes you question God's word. Now, we don't know what outward sign the Lord gave Abel that his sacrifice was accepted and that he gave Cain that his was rejected, but we know the results. Abel went away with God's approval and Cain went away angry and disappointed. God even warned Cain to be careful. He came dangerously close to sinning. Sin was crouching at the door. Sin was just waiting to pounce upon him. God even gave Cain encouragement, saying that if you will obey me, you can live in peace. God said all these things, but instead of listening to God's warning and direct disobedience, Cain plotted and killed his brother. This anger that he had turned to hatred. He didn't repent, so he became a murderer. Take a minute and look at the progression of Cain's disobedience, if you will. Cain's disobedience started with a lack of faith. He didn't believe God's promises. It resulted in his first disobedience and then turned to hatred. Cain's disobedience and hatred were based on pride. Why is his sacrifice better than mine? After all, I did this with my own hands. Cain's disobedience and hatred made him miserable. Cain refused the warning that God gave him, and sin came in, and it became hatred. A root of bitterness grew in his heart. Cain was evasive about the sin of hatred and tried to hide it. But God found it out, didn't he? God knows all things. You are This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are, 
what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrasts between light and dark, truth versus lies, and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another, because like all of life, there is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number, 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Be sure to join us again next time here on Assure Hope.